2: Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that learn more at marines.com looking to get away from Davis three one running
0: three points ready
3: hello and welcome to another elm Park Royal preview podcast um it's another one where things off the field have taken uh, you know precedence over what's going on on it so there won't be much previewing in at least the first half. Uh, we are joined by Mr EPR himself Paul Mann how are you? I'm oh,
2: good happy to be here um, uh, yeah I not have to do all the loading up it's
3: absolutely fantastic. <laughs> yeah it's the hardest bit of the whole thing and uh, second in command Alex Everson how are you mate?
0: Second in command I'll, I'll take that thank you uh, yeah I'm not bad thank you Matt how are you?
3: Yeah, not too bad. Well, you you two are the ones that run the uh, EPR Twitter account. So in my book, that makes you one and two. Uh, I've, I've had it on my phone for a little bit and trying to tweet from the right account is very challenging for me. So <laughs> I, I do not envy you having access to it the whole time. Um, the big news of the week. I'm not sure anyone will have missed this. It's that Reading have a six point deduction with another six suspended. Um It's been coming for quite a while. And in some ways, Paul, it almost feels like a relief that it's finally been, if not completely wrapped up, it's now getting towards the end.
2: Yeah, I think it is. I think you're totally right there. I think we're going to go through the kind of like different emotions over the next few months, which are coming up. But initially, 100% relief. I think the anger is to come later on when we go through the issues or that will come up next season. But I'm sure we'll come on to that one.
3: Yeah, I mean, let's thinking about next season is beyond me right now. Well, we as you say, we will get there and it will probably be the most depressing bit of this pod, <laughs> even though the six point deduction is coming this season. Um, Alex, you've kind of read through the um the document that the AFL have put out. Um how do you feel about it?
0: I think Paul, yeah, Paul's probably got it spot on. It's it's relatively relieved. You can't be too too disheartened or too, I guess, surprised with what's come out. um Everything in there is, it feels like information maybe that we didn't already know, but it was already kind of widely accepted that the club weren't able to spend money and we had to have a limited s- squad size and things like that. So it, it, I think it's good that it's out there and it's it, everything is kind of, you know, it's out in the open, right? Everybody knows what what the what the goal is and what the targets have got to be over the next couple of seasons now in order to not have any more points um point deductions
3: yeah, and one of the things that have been kind of leveled against the EFL mainly from outside of the club is the kind of um opacity of the whole process and not necessarily knowing what's going on, but I don't think that anyone can say that that's the case now. this document pretty clearly sets out what what's going on, although there is still um kind of discussions that have to be had with the EFL on a kind of um case by case basis, I assume, given that it says in there, you know, transfer fees, compensation fees, they kind of have to be ratified by the EFL themselves. Um coming back to a six-point deduction though, Paul, um do like derby obviously have a 9 plus 3 we've got 6 plus 6 um do we think that that is fair um in in a sporting terms for, for the breaches
2: uh i think it's wound up the derby fans first of all it's completely rattled them hasn't it um i think it is because a i'm a Reading fan so i'm completely biased but i would say mainly because we've breached it once and derby have done three different things So it is a very different situation with Reading compared to Derby. It's very, very complex. So talk about it in the next 30 seconds would be impossible for me to do. And I don't think any of us would fully understand it if you went through it that quickly. But I think it is because we will suffer not just the six points. Everybody looks at that and says, oh, OK, let's just move on. But that's not the end of this situation for Reading at all. Um, There are lots of caveats with academy players not being able to start too many games. And also they will be counted towards a 25 next season. Um, That would be, that's a big issue, I think. And I don't think a lot of people have actually realised how serious that is. Because if you're an academy player, you'd want to be starting games. And if you can't do that at Reading this season, it's a problem, Matt. And I'm not sure how we circumnavigate that. And maybe that explains, this is a matter of opinion here, why we haven't started Clark in some games. There are other reasons for that, but maybe that is a factor in it.
3: Yeah, I mean, so there's some nuance with the academy players. Like they, the, the club can sign academy contracts and, and players that are not, um, uh, the, the wording is not eligible for first team competitions. So presumably that is mostly players who are too young to even qualify. Um, and they are allowed to offer academy and scholars their first professional contract. Um which comes under the, the cap as well. But whether or not they can then start games, as you say, Paul, is, is something, you know, a bit up in the air. Um, it, whether I don't know if that's why Clark hasn't been starting games or whether that's just because um, he's not not currently ready. Um, it, it's kind of hard to tell. But um, Alex, the, the squad size, 25 players, 25 permitted players. So that's players that have played, uh, started three games in the league um as Paul says that's going to hold us back a bit but it, it's more the contracts situation that might get us right it, given that we we don't actually know the salaries that we're currently paying out
0: Yeah you, nobody really knows kind of where we're where we're at I guess with with how much we're paying out the the, the budget or the cap that the EFL and the club have agreed to is, it's just over 21 million for this season. And I mean, if you look back over the last few years and you look at total wages across the club, it's probably, I mean, I would guess it's probably in the region of 25 million. So the likelihood is that we're probably in and around that 21 million mark at the minute. I don't think it's going to be that difficult for the club to stick to that this year. Um, Chances are we probably don't have any money to play with in terms of bringing more players in in January on loan or, or you know free transfers for the rest of the season or anything, um, you know Andy Carroll's only on a two month contract. Whether that can be extended, it, it like it really depends how close we are to that twenty one point one million uh, cap already. I guess the issue is going to come next season when we've then got to lose another five million pounds worth of salary. Uh, you obviously we're going to lose a lot of players in summer. I, it's just a, it's a in that. Uh, It is an inevitability. Year Dom, Swift, Lauren, Rimota, Rafa, I can go on and on and on. Um, Chances are, I think we can probably get to that number quite easily in terms of salary. But then replacing those players next season is going to be very, very tough because you're just not going to have enough, like you're just not going to have enough room, wiggle room to, to work in enough quality players, potentially. So next season, I know Paul's saying that a lot of these academy players will want to be starting. Um, but I think next season is going to be an awful lot of opportunity for some of them because mm-hmm. they're just not going to be able to bring first-team players in to, um, to supplement the squad. Yeah, Dude. I think you're...
2: Sorry, I just wanted to say that I think you're totally right there, Alex. Next season is going to be an absolute goldmine for them, isn't it? An opportunity like they probably wouldn't get in many other clubs in the Championship if we're there, which I'm, I'm very confident that we will be now.
3: Yeah, and given that these rules only apply to the end of next season. Obviously, Academy players starting games in 2022-23 isn't as much of a problem as them um, starting games this year, or at least you would hope if there's no further breaches. Um, uh, Alex, just just a quick one. Um, Given that it is, as you say, 21.1 million this season, is it fair to assume that that is almost exactly what our current wage bill is? And then what they've effectively done is said okay, you're not going to be able to cut this mid-season. We'll give you until next season. So 21.1 is probably what we're spending, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, I did a little bit of like, you know, back of a fag packet maths earlier on. My my workings, I think it comes out to probably around 21 million already. So I think it's it seems very unlikely the EFL have given us a cap, which is going to have, you know, two or three million pounds extra to spend for the season on wages or, that we've got to lose, you know, a million pounds or one and a half million pounds before the end of the season because it's what like what kind of negotiation would that have been um from either side. So you've you've got to imagine that we're we're probably sitting at around 21 million or very, very close to that number already. Hmm. And
3: um so there is there is some leeway to extend contracts, which is obviously one of the, the biggest kind of worries that people have at the minute. Um there are three clauses in the club may be permitted to extend existing permanent players contracts um, in in the document. One of those is um, extend a monthly contract subject to budget restrictions, which feels very specific to Andy Carroll. And I don't know why else it would be in there to be perfectly honest. Um, The other is to extend a contract of an under 24 to protect compensation rights, um, which is obviously good for Academy graduates um, and shouldn't lead to a situation like uh, Richards, Um, although whether, obviously, at least it might still happen because there's um, release clauses. And uh, the other is, like, we can extend other players, but it's kind of subject to the EFL agreeing it, Paul. Um, Even with those, like, it kind of all comes back to the same thing, and that's players are going to leave this summer, but it sounds Mm. like we might be able to protect kind of the younger crop of that are coming through from the academy which is good news at the end of the day right
2: oh yeah totally uh, that's the future of the club i mean i feel like i'm making a very profound statement there but it's exactly the obvious isn't it i mean we all know that if you kind of get your best young talent signed up and the objective is um as much as redden fans uh, listen to this might hate it is to sell them a much higher price that's what we have to do and that's what we've missed out on the players you've just missed there with elise And Richard's um, two huge opportunities. We don't know all the ins and outs of why these things happened, but it's happened, has not it? So I I think that will surely help us going forward because there must be other talents coming through. Someone like Jamal Clark. I mean, I don't know how long his contract is. I think it's quite long. But just to say, if we couldn't possibly offer him a contract, that would be a pretty bad situation. And you don't want to be killing a club whilst also trying to bring down their wage bill, which I think, we all agree is a good thing for Reading. It's not sustainable. You can't have a wage
0: bill that's two hundred percent. Can you, Alex? No. Um, and I guess so much of next season now, with like you say, offering play, offering contracts to players potentially, like uh, Clark, is going to be around planning and and who do you want next season, and and who who are you going to keep from this squad? Because there's an opportunity to, to definitely be able to keep at least one or two of those players potentially. Um, although I think we can all accept players like John Swift probably won't be here. Is there an opportunity to keep players like Tom Holmes and be able to bring him into the side, you know, bring him into the side and have him playing at right back next season. So we don't have to go out and sign a right back. I'm, you know, we, he's not a natural right back. No, but it, there's a, there's an opportunity, I guess, to be able to keep some of those players um, and not all of them, I think not all of them will end up leaving. I think we may end up keeping one or two potentially this summer. Um, but it is more likely to be the, I guess, the young Academy players rather than the the Swifts and the Lawrence of the of the world. And
3: obviously if we lose those players, um there is some scope to bring new players in. And um it isn't just free agents and loanees that we can target. It sounds like we will be allowed to pay some fee, agreed with the EFL, but obviously kept private because, you know, that that's fair enough. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to bargain on anyone, would we? Um Paul, do we think that the kind of the, the profile of player that, that Reading have targeted under the Gourlay era? Yes, but um, kind of at the beginning of the Stam era was to buy kind of young, promising Premier League players that's going to have to change. And I'm just interested what you think. I I personally am still a little bit unsure who is running that transfer policy. And that's something that's going to have to really kick into gear, I think.
2: Yeah, totally. Um, This is when you want good scouting, isn't it? You want to be able to pick up good players at a kind of almost a too low price or find those players that are coming towards the end of their contract. You pick them up. And then you sell them at a higher price. I keep on going back that to again, but it's a model we just need to do. I mean, it's not that difficult, but we haven't seen able to do it. But I totally agree with you, Matt, that the scouting system on who is ever in control of the transfers, it's so confusing. There's so much speculation about people that have been involved. Um, I'll mention his name, Kid Jarachan, at um, uh, Redden Football Club. We just don't know. Is it just him? Is it someone else? Or is it this board? Of people that involved with a uh, Red Football Club who are selecting these players. I don't have any problem with the manager not knowing every single individual player. I think that formula has gone a long time ago. But I just, it worries me that we don't have that. I, I think that is something that we should be really targeting. And Di said, our owner, in his statement yesterday that, you know, he's set on improving the club. This just you know, amplifies his determination to take us forward. But one of the f- Key factors that he should have is a replacement for not exactly the same, but someone in that role, the same as a Nicky Hammond. If we could find that person and then you get the continuity between whatever manager is there, that would be such great news. And to me, that would be better than a big signing because that's what is
0: the backbone of a club. Brian Teverden.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying
0: saying him exactly, but that's the... When he was here, as Matt was saying, understand you could see the plan and you could see what the kind of I guess the what the signings were and what the idea was behind them at least to begin with until um, until he was gone and, and gole came in you could see what the idea was and what the kind of the the plan was with the signings um yeah, I feel like getting a director of football in is a it would be a key role to bring in. whether the club want a director of football is another matter um, and whether they can afford to bring in somebody who's going to be uh, good enough at that job again is, is another matter. Um, but it feels like, yeah, they could definitely do with a director of football to, to look after the the player side, the signing side of, of things and essentially take some of the pressure, I guess, off of, um, off of Poundovich from that side and off of, off of, um, off of dying pang as well uh, because i don't think either of them are relatively neither of them are that experienced right in in that realm um and if you can bring in a director of football who doesn't need to necessarily have the experience but is is just good at their job i feel like that would be a, a really big win for for reading in the next you know 18 months two years
2: yeah because what we've seen is that actually the kind of person who's been doing that role is actually panovich which is not a great scenario, is it, Matt?
3: Well, it isn't if he if he is doing it. I think there is some spin coming from the club about like how involved he is sometimes. But um, <laughs> I mean, I can't think who else would be uh, unless it is sort of um, you know Quinton Fortune, Pownovich, mm-hmm. like Marco, like like the transfer committee that has sort of been talked about. But I also think that for that committee to go out and sign Danny Drinkwater on loan they can't be the only ones involved, right? There must be someone else somewhere saying, you know, come get these players because they're just so random some of the time and they don't necessarily fit what Reading wants to do. But equally, there's you know, Reading are not in the position to be choosers. So, you know, if if someone does say Janny Drink was available, of course you snap their hand off. But whoever that third party is... Like maybe it's just Chelsea. Maybe it's just Chelsea being like, we need to get rid of him. Um, we don't really want him around our squad. Um, you've done pretty well with us with Boney's in the past. Um, I, I almost wouldn't have been surprised if it was like an offshoot of the Raman discussions, except for the fact that I also don't understand how Rahman ends up here. So it's all kind of intermingled. O- on Brian Teverden, I think the best thing about Brian Tevreden, at least... In the the one that I have in my mind is that there is no way that he wouldn't have sold Liam Moore when Liam Moore's price was highest. Like that was the whole plan was to kind of bring that money in or at least I I hope so anyway. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm uh, idealising him. I've got
2: to say on the uh, Liam Moore thing, um, as much stick as Ron Gourley gets,
0: um, I wanted he to actually
2: wanted to sell. I think he actually wanted to sell Liam Moore, yeah. and the person who kept Liam Moore was the owner. That's that's what yeah. happened there. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, at the and yes, um, at the end of the day, everything comes back to the owner, right? Like, yeah. the owner does have to be the one overseeing the club, and this is where people on people on Twitter are obviously they've got some some views which which clash with each other. There's obviously there's not much room for nuance um there's the people who are very much uh you know why are, aren't the owners getting all the stick and then there's well you've had you know we've had these directors of football and ceos that have done various things um at the end of the day the buck does stop with the owner i think paul is is that fair
2: yeah no totally 100 percent sticks with the owner and a lot of people you're right there is a real mixed opinion on it because a you can look at it and say he spent a hell of a lot of money but he's not spending very wisely has he let's be honest the training ground is fantastic so that is something that's going to stay there for a long time that is wise money but the transfers and the amount of agents fees we've paid on players that we've got nothing back on at all and have really done very little I mean we've achieved nothing have we since he's been here the owner we haven't got promoted so that's what his ultimate aim is to achieve uh I find that on Twitter with uh, Reading, if you have a different opinion, there will be people there waiting to attack you, which is fair enough. We all have a different opinions, but you're allowed to dislike the owner. You're allowed to love the owner. You know, it's fine. There's no problem. Nobody has the ultimate voice. We're all just fans of the club and really want them to win. There's nothing wrong with having a different opinion. And if you want to see anger at some point of the own towards the owner, it's been there for the last 12, 18 months. Uh, I'm not quite sure what you've missed because – there's definitely been a lot of it. I've had a lot of it vented at me, uh, bizarrely. I don't know why. But I think moving forwards, I think the owner just has to learn that it's an actual proper business and you just can't throw money at it. I mean, that's what it's felt like at times. And that's not going to work in football at all because there's other clubs that will do it much more wisely than us and they will get the rewards for it.
3: Alex, did you want to say something? Or will you just take your breath, just breathing? Just breathing. Cool. That that works, too. Always happy to know that you're alive. Um, But, yeah, I mean, there is a game this Saturday. And there has actually been other news in Reading World this week. Happier news, depending on which of Andy Carroll you're sat on. Um, No, I think everyone agrees that... uh, you know, the amount of time that the strikers uh, in Maytay and Zhao and Aziz and that you could go on and on have been out for, we probably needed another body. I'm not sure anyone expected it in the middle of November, but Paul, you're a fan of the Andy Carroll signing. So I'll let you you tell me why.
2: I just love big Andy Carroll.
3: <laughs> it's like <laughs>
2: what is created, really. I like the illusion over reality with this one, I feel Um, I'm not sure how it's going to work out. He could easily get injured in the first minute in the warm-up, couldn't he? I mean, we all know that the bloke is very, very fragile. But equally, he could get five or six goals. We just don't know which way it's going to go. Um, I think there's a bit of excitement as a fan. You take out the logical bit there and thinking this doesn't really make sense in many ways. But... Do we need another body? 100%. Because if Clark is injured, which is rumoured, and there's nobody that said that that's not the case, we don't know how long that will be, we would only have Puskas alone. Now, whatever you think of Puskas, he scored zero goals this season, and he can't only have one option. You need someone else there to rotate, rotate with at some point. And the big question, I think, is will Andy Carroll start on Saturday? Now, we've had a heated debate in our chat about this, haven't we, Matt? And it's been really varied, but I'm
0: not quite sure. I think he's start, but I don't know what do you both think about that one then. I'm gonna say that he won't start on Saturday. I think he'll come on off the of bench. Panovic has made some earlier subs in recent weeks. So I'm gonna say we'll see Andy Carroll for the last half an hour, 25 minutes. Hopefully the game is still tight, if it's still nil-nil. Um, or, or one goal in it, or something. Then you know, I think he'll come on for with 25 minutes, half an hour to go, and just basically see what see what happens. Uh, nobody really knows what to expect, so I, I don't think it's going to be a case of. I mean, I don't think it will be a case of throwing him on from the start and and uh, expect fireworks or anything. But um, hopefully, you know, give it give it two or three games, and fingers crossed, will we'll kind of hit gold and he'll score score three or four goals before the before the start of uh before the start of 2022. all i'm hearing now is spando Ballet gold <laughs> it's just in my head that but can't yeah be no, Andy can carol
2: that. chant <laughs> by the way i would say that if clark is fit i would start him
3: yeah he missed the under 23s game on monday uh, i don't think he was even in the squad so it, it does somewhat look unlikely um we've obviously Panovic, uh seen Panovic kind of leave some players out of lineups when they haven't been fit like Danny Drinkwater took some time to get up to speed um so did Scott Dan um but then Halilovic and Barbara Rahman came in almost straight away given that there was almost nobody left in their positions either because we didn't have anyone to begin with or because everyone else was injured um you would think that on a two-month contract Andy Carroll must be pretty close to fitness otherwise it doesn't make any sense at all so if he's not going to make an instant impact um or an instant-ish impact, then the, it doesn't really make sense to bring him in whatsoever. But it's it's such a low-risk bet on a two-month contract, right? That whatever does happen is probably fine. Like the the EFL are clearly happy with it, so mm. the rest of us kind of just have to accept it. And
0: if it if it works, brilliant. If it doesn't work, have, nobody's really lost anything, right? Like we're in the same situation we're in anyway, so. That's yeah, such I'm, a low-key low response to signing one of England's greatest ever strikers, there, Matt. I've got That's to say a, that's <laughs> a, <laughs> a <laughs> massive reach. Eng, one of England's greatest ever strikers. Yeah, we'll come on. We'll, we'll come back to that one later this afternoon, Paul. But that is. a
3: reach. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I, like I don't want to be an Andy Carroll hater. I, like a, a, a fully fit Andy Carroll, I would have loved. But I'm just not sure if that's no. what we're going to end up getting. But you know, yeah, he's big. He's tall. You it's know. a
2: championship. I just think big lump up front kind of works sometimes, doesn't it? And uh, yeah, I would also add, I don't think he's one of England's better strikers because sometimes sarcasm doesn't work on these things, and people get a little bit irritated.
3: <laughs> yeah, but that's how you get the clicks. Mm, I, don't really I don't do really want it. I don't really want it that way. Uh yeah, well maybe that's the way we've got to go. We've got to be controversial and uh nah, you know I'm uh, we didn't get any responses when Jordan said that Puskas was gonna score eight goals before January. So I'm still waiting for all of those to uh to roll in. They're, they're um, come,
0: I've come. got that one, i got that one clipped for January. <laughs> yeah. Of yeah, 2023. When
3: 2023 yeah, yeah. Oh I got it well Matt Lansley's um revelation that Puskas is still here till twenty twenty four was surprising I like time has been both fast and so slow at the same time hasn't it um
2: let's finish this bit on a high (laughs) yeah
3: yeah well well, you know okay well I'll, I'll ask you this Paul given that there's only a six point deduction how high up the table can Reading finish this season
2: okay so six point deductions so that will put us on 16 points so that will put us 10 points of the playoffs is that correct yeah so 10 points of the playoffs in november we've got a hell of a lot of players to come back um who knows if they get injured again that you never know but on the proviso that they do come back they're fit they're firing i think anything's possible i think it's possible that we could go for a playoff push i Kind of like feel. I felt the nine point thing would be really, really devastating. The six point just feels so much more manageable. Um, yeah, I, I think mid table at least that should be at least where we're aiming for. But I, I think we could have a push up there.
0: I'll give you the easy answer. The easy answer here is we're finishing within six points of sixth place and not making the playoffs. That's not negative. That would be a great season for Reading. but That would be, but the way you phrased it would be very is negative. That's not high.
2: It. That's not how to end it on a high, is it? Yeah, <laughs> I
0: was about to say, come on. We're, we're going to finish seventh. That's a great season. If you, if uh, that's us, not anybody, what, no, actually, get, oh, what you oh, said. Oh. Uh, there's only <laughs> the other teams within
3: six points, and therefore we might end tenth.
1: To
0: be Our fair, we did
3: tenth.
1: do a pitch
2: invasion when we finished seventh. So, you know, it depends on how you look at it, doesn't it? <laughs>
0: Yeah, if we finish, sure. I feel like if we finish in the top 10, that's a really good season, In all, I, like, school, I honestly given, given the pre-season expectations. But yeah. I, yeah, I do agree. I feel like I, I agree with you, Matt. If we finish, we could finish anywhere, for, I think, from 7th down to 18th, and none of it would really surprise me.
2: I would also add that we will fight to the end. <laughs>
3: <laughs> anyway. Yeah, they do
2: call us the Rozs. <laughs>
3: Not the biscuit men anymore, are we? No, no, it's been quite a while to be fair. I'm not sure that it was really the biscuit men in my lifetime, anyway. That's no, not, big... not even in mine, no, <laughs> yeah. how long ago it was <laughs> Yeah, um, that is an absolute banger. That's a good way to end it, I guess. That's uh, that's upbeat. Uh, I am going to try and get that going next time I go to an away game. So if anyone fancies joining me up the back for a, a bit of a sing along, then uh, feel free. Um We are going to preview the Forest uh, game a bit more um, with a Forest fan whose name I've completely forgotten now. Um, So that's embarrassing. Uh, But after this break, we'll get their take on things. I am joined with uh, by Tom from the 1865 Nottingham Forest podcast. How you doing, Tom?
1: Yeah, I'm good, thank you.
3: Um, forest season so far seems to be a bit of a tale of two halves. Um, obviously, you yeah, had Chris Hughton start off with. He he's left, and uh, Cooper's come in now. The old Swansea manager. Um, how's it? How's it gone from a Forest perspective? Things seem to have picked up now, but it wasn't a great start.
1: Yeah, it's been, like you say, it's been a matter of like a season of two halves so far for us. I mean, we started the season and the football was just dreadful under Hute and very defensive, very negative. And the whole place was flat. The fan base was flat. The players were flat. And, um, and obviously we had a really bad start. Then Steve Cooper's come in and we've said on our uh, podcast in recent weeks that he's just given the whole place um, belief, he's given the players belief. And he's given the fans belief and we're like looking up the table rather than, say, two or three months ago where I was like in the relegation zone and wondering where our next win was going to come from. So he's come in there and basically he's just, he hasn't added anybody to it because he's obviously inherited a squad from Chris Euton. And um, yeah, he's just got players playing um, like really well and believing in themselves and, and that. And then if you look at our results... Um, they've both gone hand in hand, so players have been playing better, and the results have improved uh, over the last few uh, months.
3: Uh, has there been a bit of a switch in kind of tactics? I, I know Hughton was kind of playing, you know, a back four, um, like a four-two-three-one a lot of the time, whereas uh, Cooper seems <laughs> to be playing with a back three. Is that is that fair, or is um... that just?
1: Yeah, it's quite strange how it happened, really, because, uh, like you said, um, Hewton was playing with, like, a um, a uh, 4-2, 3-1, and it was so defensive. But now, when he got the sack and Stephen Reid took over um, against Huddersfield, we switched to, um, like, a um, three centre-halves, two wing-backs. And um, then he's obviously played further up the field, and, and Steve Cooper's kept that. Um, ever since he's walked through the door and he's playing with like a, a lot of um, attacking sense now he's like he said in the um a press conference a couple of weeks ago he says I need a centre half attacking he says I need seven attackers if we're going to win a game and it's so refreshing Um but having said that with defensively we haven't been too bad either we've been not like shipping a lot of goals in part from the Fulham game where they're Head and shoulders above everybody in the league at the moment, but uh, yeah, he's playing. We're playing a lot further up the uh, field, playing with more intensity, and um yeah, our wing backs, um, Jed Spence and Max Lowe, they've been the catalyst of um, the results in recent weeks.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously you you've had that uh, managerial change, and um but looking at your squad, like a lot of it is the same as has been there over the past few seasons now kind of like lewis grabbin's been there a while obviously like joe warrell i think came through your academy am i making that That's up bra- yeah yeah he did um and uh you know Bree samba's been there um do you think that that kind of um uh you know longevity ha- has helped the the squad um
1: it, it hasn't it hasn't really because <coughs> um it's only this summer that we've actually we had a huge squad last season and we had players who were like signed with um, when Karanka was here, and we've had players where um, when Martin O'Neill was here. So we've had like four or five different managers' players, and the, the lesser players who haven't probably performed or uh, have not been good enough have not been playing that much. But the players who have had that bit of quality, like Lewis Graben, for example, Bree Samba, Joe Jay Worrell, Joe uh, Lolly, who's Um, They've showed their class over the last few seasons. The longevity, they've stayed there because they've been decent players for us. But it's just everything else around which hasn't been consistently good enough. And then it's been a matter of like new players coming in, um, etc. So, um, yeah, we have got a decent spine of the squad there. But it's just obviously um, just filling up the other areas and making sure they're playing well on a consistent basis. And hopefully this the remainder of this season and then going into next season, Steve Cooper can hopefully build something and we can kind of finish it hopefully in the top ten, if not the playoffs.
3: Yeah, I mean I remember reading a lot about your transfer policy kind of last year and how there wasn't really one and it was just, you know, throwing a lot of money against the wall <laughs> and seeing what what sticks. So do you think that, you know, the trimming down of the squad um is He's playing a part this season, then.
1: Um, I believe so. And another thing, what's happened is that Dane Murphy's come in um, as the chief executive from Barnsley, and um, his ethos is that he wants players of a certain age where they've got a resale value. So it's been a matter of like getting the dead wood out, hopefully. Then obviously getting players who have got potential and they've got sell-on value, rather than <coughs> um, signing players like Harry Arter who are on big money at the end of their career who's basically he hardly played for his last season and he's on loan now at, Ch- um, at Charlton. So we just need to get away from that um, ethos and hopefully with this um, ethos under Dame Murphy where we're going to get players in who's got potential and we can actually build something here, for which hasn't happened for a long time.
3: So what, what are the kind of names um, based on that that we should be looking out for, if not this weekend, then maybe over the next season or two?
1: <laughs> um, Brendan Johnson's the one who's he um, he had a couple of like um, st- um, appearances for the first team then he went on loan at Lincoln City and had a really good season and he's come into to the side and he's been uh, brilliant and he's been pivotal in our attacking sense <laughs> so there's um, there's him to look out for um, Jack Colbach's, um found the form of- he was one of the best defensive midfielders a couple of years ago. He's found that form. Um, he's been pretty good. Uh, Lewis Grabbin, if you give him an opportunity, nine times out of ten, he will stick it away. So um, then you've got, like, um, Philip Zinkenog who, who's who been in and out the side in uh, recent weeks. But he's um, had a couple of decent performances this season. So, um, yes, yeah, mainly Brennan Johnson this weekend, who uh, Reading should uh, look out for.
3: Yeah, I mean, talking of Lewis Graben, like obviously he played for Reading for a season on loan. And I think it's basically the only time he's ever scored less than kind of 10 goals in the championship, which, you know, maybe we didn't quite use him right. I think we were playing him as a right winger at one point, which is definitely not where you would normally play Lewis Graben. Um, so, no, he, he is a striker, isn't he? he is He yeah. is in the box to score goals.
1: Yeah, and I think he's getting better with age because I think he's in his third or fourth season since we've signed him from Bournemouth for six million quid. And we had a discussion last week on our podcast about Lewis Graben because I think he's in the last year of his contract. And for me, I'd sign him up at all costs for another couple of seasons because why he's still scoring goals is an absolute asset for us and um, i think he's just scored his 50th goal for forest and it's not a bad return after three seasons and one season where i think well his last season i think he only scored like a maximum of six goals so he's i still think he's one of the best um strikers in the championship so why we've got him then we should uh, basically um keep him at all costs
3: yeah and I, I guess the fact that he is going to turn 34 this year does or should help you with that like there won't be I doubt he'll be moving up at least in this stage of his career. So I think yeah, you've exactly. got a pretty good chance of that, would you say?
1: Um, hopefully, but it all depends what Lewis Graben wants to do. Um, it always does. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got form with his time at Norwich in Sunderland. So, but he, when he joined, he says he wanted to um, put some roots down and actually stay at the club for a decent amount of time. So, But at the end of the day, it's up to Lewis Graben if he wants to stay and if he does want to stay happy days in, but it all depends what he wants to do.
3: One of the kind of pantomime villains for Reading fans is, uh, Brie Samba. So I always like to ask, you know, the, the, what Forest fans view of him is because against Reading, he, I mean, I, I've heard a lot of good things from Forest fans. They all say he's an excellent keeper, but against Reading, I don't think he necessarily shows that all the time. He's had a couple of dodgy games against us. Um, how how do you rate him?
1: Um, I f- I think he's for cha- for the championship. He's a decent keeper. I mean, there's there's there are odd mistake in there, but when Bruce Sambers on his game, he is one of the best keepers in the championship. And like last season, he had a relatively poor season for his standards. And I don't know if it's the fact that there was no crowd there. And which played a massive part in his performances. But um, I mean, he's, since Cooper's come in, he's he's back to the Bruce of old Is I would say, and this isn't being biased, but if you watch Bruce Sambo over a certain amount of games, his distribution is probably the best in the league. And uh, but um, like I says, his uh, decision making at the moment in his shot stopping is it's been pretty decent. So uh, at the moment, he is in good form, but. Um, Like last season, I didn't think he had the best season. Uh, But having said that, he wasn't the only player who had a poor season at Forest. I think, near enough, the whole squad did. So, uh, but uh, yeah, when Bruce Sanders on, he is a top keeper in this league.
3: And um, obviously, you had that bad start. You're kind of up to mid-table now. Um, Where do you think this Forest side can go? Do you think, I mean, uh, just looking at the results in the last kind of 10, you've only lost that Fulham game. You've won... Half of them, I think, or even more than half of them, uh, are playoffs realistic? Or are you? Would you be happy with mid-table given the, kind um, of the struggles under Keaton?
1: Yeah, well, despite the um, bad start we had, I think I anywhere around tenth place will be a decent finish considering the start we had. Um, playoffs, I don't think we're going to be. I don't think there's enough for us. I mean, Lewis Grabbins like we said, if if he gets injured, we've got Lyle Taylor who's, for all his efforts, I don't think he's in the same league as Lewis Grabben and so we might struggle for goals. Um, but it all depends what happens in the January market because there's rumours that Jed Spence may be recalled by uh, Middlesbrough and in recent weeks he's probably been our best player. So it all depends what happens in the January market if Steve Cooper can get a few players in and can build for next season. But I think uh, it'd be nice to get into the playoffs because there's always that one team who sneaks in at the last minute. But, um, yeah, if, we, if it's 10th position, I'd be pretty happy with that uh, considering the start we had at the start of the season.
3: Just on Jed Spence, it's, it's a bit weird for a club in the Championship to be loaning a player out to, you know, effectively a rival. Do you, is there a reason why that happened? or just?
1: Um, I think it was all down to he didn't get on with Neil Warnock. Neil Warnock said when he was at uh, Middlesbrough manager um, he could be Premier League or um, Conference Premier or whatever it is so it depends which Jed Spence you're getting but since he's joined the club he's been absolutely brilliant for us and is a really important player so I hope we keep him beyond January and see what happens in the summer but I know he's a top player but sometimes it happens like that where a player's face doesn't fit in at a club and then um he comes into another club like Forrest and fits in and hasn't looked back. So hopefully we can keep him for the remainder of the season.
3: Yeah. It is a bit of an old one as well. Cause like, it wasn't like he was on the periphery at Middlesbrough last season. He was in the team and kind of playing minutes. So yeah, I mean, I I'm, I imagine a lot of people don't get on with Neil Warnock, but that's for probably a different podcast. Um, I've got one more question for you, Tom, and that is, uh, What do you think the score is going to be on Saturday?
1: Um, I I think if um, I put I think vice will come away with at least a draw because how they're playing at the moment, and um, and obviously with what's happened with Redding this week with the point deduction, um, you don't know what moves they're going to be like come Saturday, um, so. Yeah, I'd take a draw now because we've played when we've been at Reading in recent uh, seasons. um, We haven't, I don't think we've won there for a good few years now. So I'll take a draw now. But if we can sneak a win, um, happy days.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'd take a draw as well. I'm fully expecting kind of another 1 1, probably with Andy Carroll coming (laughs) off the bench and scoring on his (laughs) Reading debut. That'd be nice. Um, Yeah. If you can stay, he'd probably
1: like come off the bench, trip up, and then he's injured for six weeks. So,
3: well, going by the rest of Reading's strike force, that's uh, certainly a possibility. Oh, I mean, especially yeah, when it comes yeah. to Andy Carroll. But you, I think we we had to try something, given the fact that all our other strikers are out. So we'll see. Yeah, I guess it's
1: worth a go, isn't it? For nothing else.
3: Yeah, yeah. He's only here for two months, so it's not like it's going to cost you know an arm and a leg. It should just be, you know. Yeah. Mike it might cost him. Great, might cost him his arm and a leg. So with <laughs> yeah. his injury record, so yeah, I mean, I'm surprised he still got them. But you know, <laughs> it, he can, he can definitely score goals at this level. So if he gets on the pitch, I'm kind of I'm excited for it. My worry is, as you say, whether he gets on the pitch enough. But yeah, I guess we'll see. Anyway, Tom, uh, thank you very much for uh, giving us the forest view. Um we will be back after the game, obviously, uh, with a post-match um, pod. And then uh, we've got a midweek game as well. So we'll um, cover that one. Uh, thanks very much, Tom. And uh, good luck for the rest of the season.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having us on.